Well, hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Season 3 of the Real Nickasized Podcast Experiment. Every season is divided up by a different topic, and we've looked over a couple of things. And in Season 3, it's going to be random. That's right, random. It's going to be the things that are on my heart, things that are on my head, that I'm going to have a chance to just verbally dialogue about. So, and sit back and enjoy season three. Democrat or Republican? Which one are you? No, seriously. Where do you identify? How about on the abortion debate? Is it okay to end the life of a child that has not been born yet? Or isn't it okay? Where do you stand? What about on gay rights? LGBTQ rights? How about LGBTQ rights in the church? Is it okay to be gay? Uh, is that okay with God? Or not? Yes or no? Where do you land? Which one? Is it right? Is it wrong? Black or white? You tell me. You know, a long time ago in the 1530s, long after the Catholic Church had broken away from the Orthodox Church, and in the western part of the world at that time, you had the Catholic Church and the newly formed Lutheran Church. Back in 1519, a Catholic priest named Martin Luther had nailed these 95 thought-provoking questions, 95 theses, to the door of the Wittenberg Church and it started a movement, a Protestant Reformation. And from this, the Protestant Church was born, and that that time, the Protestant Church was just the Lutheran Church. And so in the Western world, you had Catholic or Lutheran. Those were your options. So which are you? Are you Catholic or are you Protestant? Are you Catholic or are you Lutheran? And, you know, these churches both had... Um, their good things and their bad things. You know, one of the things that the Catholics didn't do was put the Bible in the hands of the common everyday man, the, the regular Joe Schmo believer like you and me. The Bible wasn't even translated into language they could understand. It was primarily in Latin. And so only the educated and specifically the priests had access to it. That was one of the problems that Martin Luther had, was that he believed that everybody should have access to the Bible. And so with the Protestant Reformation came a greater access through the printing press, to the Bible, translated into the language of the everyday people that they could actually understand and read for themselves. And yet, only two decades after this began, you have groups of Christians who are saying, Catholic and Protestant don't work for me. It's not one or the other. There needs to be something else, something new. A third way, maybe? And it was in the 1530s, or the very end of the 1520s, that we have the very first Anabaptists begin to form. And what set the Anabaptists apart was that they distinctly believed that you should be able to confess your belief in God before you're baptized. The Protestant Church and the Catholic Church both baptized infants. These, these Anabaptists who 
often were actually Catholic priests to begin with, like Menno Simons, who the Mennonite church is named after, was a Catholic priest as well. They had a strong conviction. And when they looked at the world, what they saw was one or the other. It was binary. It was dualistic. There was two options. And they said, you know what? There's another way to read this scripture. There's another way to, to live this out. We need a third way. And so from the very beginning, the Anabaptists thought of themselves as a third way people. All right, Nick, why are you talking about this? Aren't you talking about good news? Yeah, actually, I am. Now, let me share with you an idea that I wish I could claim as my own, but I can't. I'll give credit where credit is due. This idea comes from the mind of Pete Holmes. Pete Holmes is a comedian, and he's also a theologian, and I can't honestly recommend him to you because uh, he, he doesn't exactly have the cleanest um, show, but by goodness, some of his ideas, there's something to them. I want you to think all the way back to the very beginning of the story of the, of the, the story of us, to the Bible. I want you to think all the way back to Genesis, where God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates the air and the sea. He creates all the life that is within the sea and that is on the land, plants and animals and everything. And then he creates man. He notices that man is alone, that man doesn't have a suitable companion in these animals and the fish and the creatures and the plants that he's created. And he felt it would be better if man wasn't alone. And so the Lord made mankind or he made woman. Now, some of you read Genesis literally and you say there is an Adam or there was an Adam and there was an Eve. There were two people to begin with. And they literally lived in a garden. Its name was Eden. And they literally had a Cain and an Abel. Now, I don't have a problem with that. If you want to read it literally, go for it. But what we do know is true is that Genesis, specifically the very beginning of Genesis, is poetry. That's right. The literary form that it takes is poetry. Which means that if we're going to give it give justice to the reading of it we have to acknowledge that it is poetry and so as we read these passages about the way the lord creates heaven and earth and all things in it and life it may do it more justice not to take it literally and if you're listening to this and that really upsets you okay don't listen any further that's all right and you can take your literal belief and you can run with it, and that's okay. I have no problem with that, truly, because there is so much we can glean from a literal understanding of the book. However, there is so much we can glean when we don't see it as only literal. So let's just for a moment expand our thoughts and expand our mind as though this is poetry. And so what we have is a tale about God's creation of earth, God's creation of man and mankind, the fact that he makes mankind to be companions with one another, and that he sets them apart in this Garden of Eden, this kind of perfect place. Now, what is in the Garden of Eden? Well, we know there's a tree of life. We know there's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
And we have our friends Adam and Eve. And God gives them one prohibition in this garden. He says, you can eat the fruit of any tree that you want, except for that one. And he points over at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, I don't know how long it takes, but I'm sure it doesn't take that long for man to become curious. And there's this other character in the story. We see him as a serpent, or her as a serpent. And the serpent says, don't you want to be like God? Because deep down you know that if you were to eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then you would know what God knows. And you would be like him. So don't you want to taste? Don't you want to eat just a little bit of it? And of course, man does. So man takes a bite of the apple or the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and suddenly mankind is aware of nakedness and shame. And the way that we look at the story, at least the way that I was always introduced to the story, was that this is simply the story of how sin entered the world and, and why man is sinful. Well, on another podcast, we're going to talk about the doctrine of original sin and why that's good news. But that's not tonight or this morning or this afternoon, whenever you're listening to this. We hear this as a story of how sin has entered the world, but what if this is not the story of how sin entered the world? What if this is the story of how dualism entered the world? Whoa, what's dualism, Nick? I've never heard that word before. Dualism is simply two options, and the belief that there's really only two options, right or wrong. Democrat or Republican, conservative or liberal, black or white. That is dualistic thinking, and we're all susceptible to it. We all get ourselves stuck in situations or conversations where we think the outcome is either one or the other. It's binary thinking. It's computer code. Computers think in ones and zeros, ones and zeros, and that's it. But you and I are not computers. We're much, much more than computers. And so the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's right there in the name. It's dualistic, good and evil. And so when mankind takes that fruit and takes that bite, suddenly they're introduced to dualistic thinking for the very first time. Perhaps in the Garden of Eden, perhaps in this early paradise, in the, the first part of this poem, Mankind does not think dualistically because mankind does not need to. Mankind is whole. There hasn't been a brokenness introduced yet. They haven't disobeyed the command of God yet. But suddenly they eat the fruit and what do they notice? They're either wearing clothes or not. And when they realize that they are naked, they are ashamed. And so shame enters the world along with dualism. Now I want you to think about the dualistic nature of our conversations today, our culture today, how we are so extreme and we're so biased and we're so pushed to extremism. And when we disagree, we cannot get along. We disconnect. We go our separate ways. We don't work through it because, again, we are dualistic in our thinking and we think, well, if they don't believe what I believe, they're wrong. I'm right. They're wrong. I'm right. 
Well, folks, can we pretend for a moment that back in the 1530s, there was an entire people group and whole belief movement that was created, that has developed into thousands and thousands of, of followers of Jesus who literally refer to themselves as third-way people? What's the good news today, Nick? The good news is that you can be a third-way person. I'm Anabaptist. I'm a pastor in the Brethren of Christ Church. That's where I've chose to hang up my hat. And I truly believe that if we can help the world understand that dualistic thinking is not the only thinking, that it's not just yes or no or right or wrong, that there's a third way, we would actually find an ability to come back together. We'd actually be able to put down our guns we better stop spitting those hurtful words to one another in the midst of these arguments that we have over the right and the wrong, Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative. We can say no to that because there is another option. Well, what's the other option, Nick? That's a good question. And that's a question that you need to ask yourself. It's not a question that I can answer for you because I can't be present in any conversation that you have. That has to be your burden to bear. The knowledge that there is a third way is really good news. It's gospel news. It's what Jesus brings us. When Jesus enters this earth, when he enters the ministry field, and he goes and he, he finds these people who were engaging with a law, with a covenant that was made with his father, and they're looking at it as though it's either one or the other. Either follow it like the Pharisees or don't follow it at all. Either be so holy like the Pharisees or be dirty and unclean like everyone else. It's one or the other. And what does Jesus come in and say? He says things like, you have heard it said this or this, but I tell you this. Jesus presents a third way cons consistently and constantly. Now it is our burden to bear as well, to be peacemakers, not to be people that continue to develop the, the anger and the frustration of whatever situation that we're in. It's not our job to develop that further. Let's shut that down gently and peacefully by introducing a third way, by introducing another approach. And in the moment that you're sitting there and you're thinking, but Nick, there are times that people are just wrong. Okay, maybe they are wrong. But by saying that they are wrong, essentially you're saying that you're right. And you need to push past that. You need to push through that. You need to challenge yourself a bit more because you may not be right. They might be wrong, but you may not be right. And there may be another option, another solution, another way to think about it. The good news is that Jesus has given us a third way. That God is a God of third ways. And that you can be a person who also gives third ways.